0: And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever made a poor financial decision? Maybe you saw something you wanted to buy really bad, and you saw it was on sale, but you waited a week, and then you still wanted it, and then the sale price was gone, and then you had to pay full price, and you're kicking yourself because, oh, I should have bought it while it was on sale. Well, if you've ever made a financial decision that you regret, then you can start to relate to how Ron Wayne felt. Have you ever heard of Ron Wayne before? He was one of the founders of the company Apple. He worked with a guy called Steve Jobs, and there was some disagreement between the two of them, and Ron Wayne, he owned 10% of the company, but he didn't like the the direction that the company was going in, so he decided to sell his stock for $800, sold 10% of Apple for $800. And now all these years later, do you know how much 10% of Apple would be worth? Somewhere close to the range of $80 billion. $80 billion that he sold for $800. Do you think Ron Wayne feels some financial regret? Absolutely. Uh, And that's how investments usually work. There's usually a time where it's really smart to make that investment, and there's usually a time when it comes too late. Can you imagine if there was a 64-year-old man that said, all right, time for me to start saving for retirement. That wouldn't go over too well, right? Because, you know, there's a good time to start for an investment, and there's usually a time when it's too late. And in our sermon series that we've been talking about recently, we've been talking about investing for eternity. And by that, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I want everybody in this room to be ready for eternity. One day, every one of us is going to die, And I want you to be certain that you would be going to heaven because you believe in Jesus as your Savior. That's at most what we're talking about. But also, because we know that Jesus is our Savior, we are also then commanded by God to use our money in such a way to invest for eternity by using our finances to create gospel-sharing opportunities so that other people can hear about Jesus as well. So there's kind of two aspects to it there. But the thing with investing for eternity is that the same concept applies that there's a good time to start that investment and there's a time when you're too late. Because I know that there are people in your life that don't know about Jesus and you're probably kind of kicking yourself saying, you know, I should probably talk to them someday. I should probably do something to share my faith with them. But you know what? There's a time that will come where you will be too late. One day, that person will die, and they need to know about Jesus. And maybe you're not sold on the idea yet of being a Christian, because you know how much that's going to change your life, and you're thinking to yourself, I'll come to church once in a while, but I don't know if I want to make that investment every week. I don't know if I want to keep my faith strong. But guess what? One day you will die too. And that time to invest for eternity, uh, that window will be closed. So what I'm telling you today is that we need to invest for eternity while we still can. Today is the day. Today is the day to start making that investment for eternity. And we're going to do that by looking at a story from the Bible uh, called Lazarus and the Rich Man. Uh, Last week, we heard a a parable of Jesus uh, called the parable of the shrewd manager. And the point of that parable, we found out, is that Jesus wants us to use our money to make friends so that we can tell those friends about Jesus. Um, But now in this same chapter, right after that story, Jesus is now talking to the Pharisees and it describes them as Pharisees who loved money. So Jesus is talking to people who loved money and he needs to call them out on that. So Jesus tells this story of Lazarus and the rich man and he wants them to wake up and to see the problem that they have in their life. So let's jump right into this story. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. So not only was this rich man rich, but he was like rich, rich. He had so much stuff. He had a mansion. Uh, it says that he dressed in a purple toga. And maybe you've heard before about how expensive purple was back then. Uh, to get purple dye, you had to take like a thousand of these like seashells and you had to squeeze just a little bit of dye out of them. And you squeeze these thousand seashells to make one purple toga. Um, and it's just to show off to people that you were rich. Kings wore it, queens wore it, rich people wore it. And, uh, you know, sometimes we spend our money to make our lives a little bit easier. Like you're looking at cars and you don't need to have heated seat, seats in your car but it sure does feel good, doesn't it? So you spend that extra money to get the heated seats because it makes your life a little bit easier. But a purple toga? Is that making your life easier? No way. It's just showing off. It's just showing that you have money. Um, and it kind of reminds me of this. This is a Gucci white t-shirt. looks like a white t-shirt, but it's special because it says Gucci on it. Do you know how much this shirt goes for online? $480. If you want to buy that t-shirt? It's $480. doesn't it make your life easier. All it is is a way to show off that you have money because your shirt says Gucci or your toga is purple. That's what the rich man is dealing with here. He has so much money, and he's using that money to show off to the rest of the world and say, look at this, I have money. And then there was Lazarus. At his gate was lady beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sore. So Lazarus wasn't just poor, he was poor, poor. He was so poor that he would have to dig through garbage cans to look for food. He couldn't afford medical attention. He had all these sores over his body. His only friends were dogs. So do you see the contrast between these two guys? Uh, the rich man lived in a mansion and Lazarus lived on the streets. The rich man was covered in fine linens, and Lazarus was covered with sores. The rich man ate the best, most expensive meals that money could buy, and Lazarus ate scraps from the rich man's table. Do you see the contrast between these two guys? That's what the story is setting us up to. You have two people that are in very different positions in life. But then there's a flip. Death comes. And death is the great equalizer. Every one of us is going to die. Rich people, celebrities, poor people. Everyone dies. And here we see the flip in the story. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. So Lazarus... When he died, he went to heaven. The name Lazarus means God is my helper. And throughout Lazarus' hard, hard life, he believed that God was his helper. He knew that his life was hard, but he had faith in God. He had faith in Jesus as his Savior. Uh, So when he died, he went to heaven. And the rich man, well, he went to hell. Not because he was, you know, this really scummy guy out there that did terrible things. He went to hell because he didn't have faith in Jesus as his Savior. That's what the Bible teaches. People who believe in Jesus go to heaven and people who don't go to hell. And that's a really hard concept for us to get our heads around. Because I talk to people quite a bit, um, and I ask them the question, hey, when you die, do you know where you're going to go? And you know what the answer I get almost every single time is? Well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm pretty nice. I'm not like that murderer. But you know what? Good people are gonna be in hell. Nice people are gonna be in hell. Morally upright people are gonna be in hell. Because it's not about being nice. It's not about being good. It's about being perfect. God tells us to be perfect and we can't be perfect. So if we don't have faith in our heart of Jesus, that's what sends you to hell. But it's easy for us to think that, oh, hell, it's just a place for you know Adolf Hitler, Ted Bundy, those really bad guys. But that's not what the story is teaching. This rich man didn't do anything terribly wrong. All he was was rich. And he looked over Lazarus, and he didn't have faith in his heart. And that's what led him to go to hell. And that's a lesson that we need to learn. In Hades, where he was in torment, And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So here we see a description of the rich man in hell. And that's a terrifying description. So I want to point out to you four things that we learn about hell from this story. Uh, first off, hell is real. It's real. Um, If you look at any, like, religious poll today about hell, the numbers are startling about how many people don't believe that hell exists. The majority of people say that hell is not real. The majority of people say that they believe in spiritual matters, they believe in some form of afterlife, but they don't believe in hell. And the reason for that, I believe, is because it is such a terrifying thing to think about. Eternal torment? Eternal torment for people forever? That's tough to think about. That's hard to swallow. That's a tough pill to swallow. And there are whole church bodies, there are whole churches that you will never once hear a pastor talk about hell because they know it's uncomfortable. They don't want people to think about it. But I believe that hell is real. The reason I believe hell is real is because Jesus says so. Jesus doesn't say that the rich person went to a place where he's going to, you know, just kind of be done with. No, Jesus says this rich man went to Hades where he was in agony. And that's the second point, that hell is agonizing. I think the way how hell is depicted on, like, TV shows and movies is, you know, there's the devil, and he's wearing his red outfit, and he has a pitchfork, and his minions are kind of running around in flames, kind of having fun, poking people. Um... But really, uh, hell is very agonizing. You saw this rich man. Uh, he thought to himself that a drop of water would be the best thing that he could ever experience while he was in hell. That's how bad it was. Um, obviously, the flames of hell are going to be bad. Obviously, that, that burning sensation is going to be terrible. But one of the worst parts about hell, and I think we see it in the story, is that Lazarus got to look up and see the joys of heaven. The best part of being in heaven is being with God and to experience being in his company. But for people who are in hell, they're missing out on that. For eternity, they need to think about how they had a chance in their life to hear about Jesus, but they didn't take it. And now for eternity, they are separated from God. And they're going through agony. There's a Bible passage that talks to this. Uh, in Second Thessalonians it says, They will be punished with everlasting destruction And shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That's what hell is, being shut out from the presence of the Lord forever. The best part of heaven is being with the Lord, seeing him in his glory. But the worst part of hell, the flames are terrible, but being away from the Lord, that's what the punishment is. And finally, hell is eternal and final. And that's a tough thing to realize, that for this rich man... There are no second chances. This wasn't purgatory where, you know, he's going to be there for a thousand years, but he's going to work really hard in hell, and then he's going to get to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't say anything like that. This time in our life is our time to come to faith. God gives us, we call it that, the time of grace. Our time in our life right now where we have the opportunity to come to faith and believe in Jesus. And after you die, it's final. People who believe in Jesus go to heaven and people who don't go to hell. And isn't that terrible? Isn't that a terrible thought to think that somebody would be in hell for eternity and there is nothing they can do to change that that outcome? That's what hell is. And isn't that scary? Isn't that terrifying? It's not fun to think about these pictures. It's not fun to think about hell. But it's something we have to do because Jesus points it out. There's another passage that Jesus uses. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. So Jesus is saying, if your hand causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to steal, cut it off. And obviously, Jesus is exaggerating here, because otherwise, the rest of the church, we'd be walking around with all nubs for hands, because, you know, we all sin, right? But what Jesus is saying here is that um, we need to take sin seriously in our life. Sin has a way of leading you away from the Lord and it has a way of destructing your faith and leading you away from God. And Jesus says, you need to do whatever it takes to make sure that you don't fall away from the Lord because that's what sin does. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off because it's better for you to not have a hand than to go to hell for eternity where the fires never go out. Jesus tells us to be on our guard, to watch out. And that's the point of this story, is to watch out. Because you see, the rich man, he was distracted by his riches and he never came to faith in Jesus. And Jesus is telling the Pharisees that. And we need to take Jesus' warning. So this is the warning that I'm giving you today. Don't let your cushy life distract you from following Jesus. Don't let your rich lifestyle distract you from following Jesus. Don't let comfort be this number one goal in your life and distract you from following Jesus. Because when you look at the story, who do you identify with more? Do you think of yourself more as the rich man or Lazarus? I think a lot of us in this room have a hard time calling ourselves rich. We have a hard time calling ourselves rich. Because I don't live in a mansion and I don't own a single Gucci t-shirt, so I must not be rich, right? But, come on. Come on. You're rich. You live in America, you live in a nice home here, you're rich. Did you drive in a car this morning to church? You drove in a car this morning, you're not Lazarus. If you can afford medicine, you're not Lazarus. If you can eat three square meals a day, you're not Lazarus. And throughout the Bible, Jesus says that riches and money has a way of tearing people away from their faith. So don't let your cushy life distract you from following Jesus. And I had to pray extra hard this week, because I get it. This is possibly the harshest sermon that I've ever preached here. Spent a long time talking about hell, and now I'm going to talk about money. And I'm sure you're very excited about that. But we need to talk about this, because it's in the Bible. Jesus is giving a warning to the Pharisees, saying that, look, you love money. This is what's in store for if you continue to love money more than God. And as we look at the story, we need to watch out that we aren't, don't fall into that category where we love money more than God, that we let money become our master. And so do you love, does it, do you take this seriously? Because it's so easy for us to care more about your child's education and future career than to care for their eternal life. Do you care more that your child has a good jump shot or do you care more about their eternal life? Do you trust more in your savings account than you do in God? Do you care more about your mortgage than you do about God's word? Is your rich and comfortable lifestyle distracting you from following Jesus? So you need to watch out. You need to watch out that nothing hurts your faith, that nothing carries you away. Because this is such a serious matter. Hell is real and it is final and it is for eternity so we need to be on our guards so that nothing in this life distracts us from Jesus. There's a story I heard from a pastor. He used to have like a couple younger guys in their twenties come to his church quite a bit. And, uh, for a couple Sundays, they brought a couple girls with them. They were single guys, and they brought some girls with them. And they came for a couple of weeks, and then eventually the girls stopped coming with them. So the pastor asked the two young guys, he said, hey, what happened? You guys break up, and you're not bringing your dates anymore. And I said, no. Uh, they just said they're not into this whole Jesus thing like we are. So they're not coming with us anymore. So then the pastor asked, So what are you doing dating them? And they kind of laughed and they said, uh, Pastor, did you see them? They're hot. They're so hot. That's why we're together. And that's when the pastor said, Hell is hot too. I get that, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, he's kind of waking him up. But don't let a relationship distract you from following Jesus. Don't let your comfortable lifestyle distract you from following Jesus. Don't let your career, don't let a relationship, don't let your finances distract you from following Jesus, because this is such a serious matter. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warm them so that they will not also come to the place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So for somebody who died and went to hell, somebody who didn't believe in Jesus, the number one thing that they would tell us if they could come back here today would say, you need to get your relationship with God figured out. Because hell is so terrible. That was true for the rich man. The rich man, um, he wanted his brothers to come to faith because he knew how terrible hell was. Hell was so terrible and he wanted to make sure that his family had a chance to hear about uh, that Jesus is their Savior so that they can come back. So he came up with this idea. He spoke to Father Abraham and he said, we're going to need something big. We're going to need something big to wake them up. Something like Hollywood quality. We need a guy, Lazarus, to come back from the dead and I want him to be like a ghost and torment my brothers and say, uh, guess what, I'm back from the dead. You need to believe in Jesus. And uh, that would wake them up and then they wouldn't have to go to hell like I would. Uh, but Abraham says, no, a miracle's not going to work. Instead, all you need is the Bible. And that's a little tough to understand. But let me put it for you this way. Imagine um, imagine I was given the power to do a miracle. As a pastor, I can do a miracle. And at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, I can lift the first five rows of the pews up into the air. You guys are a little nervous to stay on the front row now, right? You know, Because I have lift it up right into the air. What do you think would happen the next week? There would be so many people here. There would be so many people here. You hear that pastor in Holy Trinity? He can make pews rise up in the air. Maybe some camera crews, maybe some news stations come. And they would come and they would videotape the whole thing and I would do this and all the pews raised up in the air. But you know what happened the week after that? I would do my trick again. I'd raise the pews up in the air and you know what somebody would say? Boo! Seen it! Do something else! They would get bored so fast if I did a miracle and hearts would not be changed. Do you know the only thing that can change hearts? It's not a miracle. The only thing that can change hearts is God's word. Do you know the only tool that I have that can convince somebody that hell is real? It's God's word. Do you know the only tool that I have that I can convince somebody that they are sinful and greedy and deserve damnation because of it? It's God's word. But do you know the only tool that I also have that can convince somebody that they are dearly loved by Jesus Christ? It's God's word. Do you know the only tool that I have that can convince somebody that all their sins are forgiven, even their sins of misusing money and even their sins of greed? It's God's word. Do you know the only tool that I have that can convince somebody that heaven is real and that that is their home after they die? Well, it's God's word. Because in God's word, there is a story about a man who was richer than the rich man He owned everything, and he came to this world, and he was born naked in a feeding trough. And throughout his life, he didn't own much. He didn't live in a mansion. He didn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus Christ, he gave up everything for you and me, and he died on the cross. Jesus went through hell so that we will never have to experience a second of it. Jesus became poor, so poor, so that one day we can become rich. That's what Jesus did. That's why Jesus came to this world. Jesus came to make poor sinners rich eternally. People like you and me who struggle with so many different things, Jesus came to this world to make poor poor sinners rich eternally. That's our home. That's our destination. We know that we get to go to heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. We know that we will be rich eternally. So if your life is really, really hard like Lazarus, let that be your hope. Focus on heaven. Focus on your home that you have waiting for you there. And if God has blessed you with so many possessions and so much money, don't let it distract you from following Jesus. But take a moment and think how great heaven must be. Because if your home in this world makes you that happy, imagine what your home in heaven must be like. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we have, that Jesus came here to make poor sinners rich eternally. And since we know that, Since we know that's what Jesus did for us, let's invest in eternity while we still can. Let's give lots of lots of our money away. Let's do it. I know you're looking at me skeptical because you know what that means? When you give away money, that's cool stuff that you can't buy for yourself. But let's give away so much money. Let's increase how much money we give to this church so that we can support our mission better so that we can give away more, so that more people have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Let's not let money be our master. Let's not make our lives all about seeking out comfort in this world. Let's instead invest in eternity. Let's get our hearts ready. Let's stay in God's word all the time, keeping our faith strong so that we know where our home is when we die. Let's remind ourselves of what Jesus did for us. But let's then invest for eternity. Let's do whatever we can to win people over for Jesus. Because hell is real, it's eternal and it's final. But by the grace of God, we know that we will never experience a second of it. We do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.